Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Go with me today to Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, I begin this, uh, what I'm teaching on, actually last week, last Sunday. Uh, you can go online, you can go to the YouTube channel, Roku channel, and, uh, and access the first series, the first message. But I'm continuing with this, let us draw near. Uh, I was praying one morning early, and that phrase just kept coming up in my spirit. And I knew uh, where the Lord was uh, dealing with me from in the book of Hebrews right here, chapter 10. Let us draw near. And uh, this year of 2021 is a year to get nearer to God. And when I say that, I don't mean just in a religious sense. Uh, you know, where you're, you're kind of making a uh, New Year's resolution that I'm going to do more or pray more or study more or whatever. It's drawing near is this heart set. And here in Hebrews 10, beginning in verse 19, notice it says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness or liberty is what the word means. Having liberty to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Oh, this is important because it tells us the channel, the avenue, the preposition by. This is how you access the holiest. By the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. The new and living way is the blood, which he has consecrated. The word is new made, which he has new made for us through the veil the veil, that is to say his flesh, Jesus' flesh was the veil. And having a high priest over the house of God, notice, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now there's some things to see here. He says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance. Full assurance simply means this. No doubt as to our acceptance when coming by the blood of Jesus. I draw near with absolutely no doubt as to the fact that I'll be accepted because I'm coming by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. So there's no doubt that you will be accepted in the holy place in heaven, because you're coming by through the channel, through the avenue of the blood of Jesus Christ, which is that new and living way. And he goes on and he says, and our hearts, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Now, very often when someone thinks evil conscience, they think, uh, you know, sin, some aspect of sin in my life, something I've done wrong. And evil conscience is, is this. It's a guilt conscience over sins from your past. 
An evil conscience is a guilt conscience of sin from my past. Well, here's the thing. If you're born again, all of your sin has been atoned for. It's been not just covered, it's been redeemed, it's been washed, it's been paid for. Now we know this, but if I'm going to draw near, I, I, and, and again, I don't have time to, to talk about all of this, I'll touch on it briefly, you can access the, the messages from last week. The whole issue that God has had from the very beginning, when people talk about God creating man, I've heard people say He did it because uh, He wanted a family, uh, he did it because of this or that. And they kind of leave the idea that God was lonely. God cannot be lonely. He's perfection. You cannot be lonely and be perfect. R- realize this. God needs no one. Everybody needs God. God does not need us for emotional support. I mean, that would be like a parent looking at a little child going, I don't know what we're going to do. I just need somebody to support me. You're the parent. Man up, woman up. you got to lead. Right? God God never looks at us and goes, what are we going to do? God created mankind for the purpose of man being able to be near to God. Nearness. In, in 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 the garden, nearness was the objective. The Bible says that God created everything that we see. He created every animal. Then He created man. And it says He created man in His image, in His likeness. Now we know that, but the world says man's just the highest order of animal there is. Man's not an animal. Man's created in the image of God. Why did God create a being in His image and in His likeness? So that being could be near to Him. Amen. That God didn't want to be near to the cow or near to the horse. He wanted to be near to man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so when sin came into the equation, when sin came into the situation, the first thing you see is shame and guilt and fear. Adam and Eve begin to see themselves differently than they had ever seen themselves before. There are people that say, well, man was clothed with the glory of God, and once that was lifted, he could see himself as he was. I don't disagree with that. The Scripture doesn't tell us why they were naked and not ashamed, because the Bible says when God first created them, that they were both unclothed and they were not ashamed, because they were not seeing things through a lens of guilt and sin and shame. They were seeing themselves as a, as, through a lens of nearness with God. When you are created in, for instance, in the spirit realm, there's nothing between you and God. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Because you're you're one with Him. The enemy has to bring something from your past, bring something from, from a mistake you made, to try to do what? To try to produce a fig leaf suit that stands between you and God. Adam and Eve once were in the presence of God, near to God, when they made the mistake, when they sinned, when they did what God told them not to do, now two beings that were clothed with the glory of God are now clothed with fig leaves and it's a separation between them and God. They're no longer near to Him. Hallelujah. And notice God came in the garden seeking nearness. And He said, where are you at? Well, He knew where they were. Right? He knew. I believe, personally, the Bible doesn't say it, but I believe, personally, it was an opportunity. 
It was an opportunity to say, look, we missed it. We blew it. But the, the point is, is it says we heard your voice and we hid ourselves. Well, why'd you hide yourself? Because we didn't have any clothes on. We were naked. Who told you that? Now think about that. Who brings up your past? Who accuses you of failure? Who, who tries to bring fig leaves back into your life that God redeemed you from? The enemy. Why? He wants to violate that nearness with God. The nearer you are to God, the, the, the more victory you possess. Glory be to God. Amen. So, so I don't have time to stay with that, but so it's an evil conscience. Uh, uh, maybe something's unatoned for or something is standing between me and God. If something is standing between you and God, it's perhaps something that you sowed and put together yourself and you've been carrying and you need to quit hiding from God and wearing things that are violating your nearness. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Glory. So these verses that we read are describing the high priestly ministry of Jesus after redemption. And so we see the Father's desire is this, so that we can draw near in full assurance and confidence. It's been the Father's desire to be near to man and have man near to Him from the beginning. The word near means to come, to approach, to be near. Uh, it's used several times throughout the Scripture. It's used nine times in the book of Hebrews. And it's always in that context, to come, to approach, to be near. One of the most famous ones that we quote all the time is Hebrews eleven six: 6. Uh, Without faith is impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God. All right, well, that's that word near. If you're going to be near to God, it gives us the qualifications. You must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder. See, that was the problem with, with Adam and Eve. They still believed God was, but they no longer looked at Him as a rewarder. They looked at Him as a judge or a punisher. And so they couldn't draw near. So it's not just enough to know that God is and believe that God is. You've got to believe God's got something good for you. Oh, glory. Hebrews 4. Just in case you're wondering, I am wound up. Tighter than a $2 watch. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 14, Hebrews 4 and verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Now the writer of Hebrews, ever who you think it was, there was a revelation here about the high priestly ministry of Jesus. And he says, when he says, seeing then that we have a great high priest, he's trying to bring your attention to something. We have a great high priest. Right? And he says who he is. That is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our, con our confession or our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as are we, are, we are yet without sin. Let us therefore, let us therefore, because we have a great high priest, because he can be touched with our, the feeling of our infirmities, because he was tempted in all points like we are, yet he didn't sin, in light of all that, let us come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So here again we see the high priestly ministry of Jesus. 
under the new covenant, we have a great high priest who can understand fully what it means to be human. This is so important. Every other religion, their, their gods, their deities are somehow above mankind in this sense that they never relate them with this equation, that they know what it's like to be who I am. Right? Amen. It is so important, the manhood of Jesus, the humanity of Jesus is so important that we still have a human being in the Godhead. It's what the Bible says. It says that, that, that it is the man, Jesus Christ. Now, why is that important? We have human representation in the Godhead. Why is that important? It aids in our nearness. Hallelujah. Jesus knows fully what it means to be human. He knows fully what it means to be tempted as a human. Jesus was tempted by sin. He was never tempted with it, but tempted by it. Jesus never had a desire to sin. He never had, uh, it never had any enticement for him. It was there. It was available. He could have sinned. He could have done that had he wanted to, but he chose not to. He overcame it. Are you following? Because Jesus wasn't a sinner. And people will say, well, that's the difference between he and I. No, 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 there is no difference between you and he. Because if you're born again, you're not a sinner. I should say that again. If you're born again, you're not a sinner. So the fact that I'm not a sinner means that something has changed and I have the ability to overcome sin. A sinner doesn't because that's what they do. But because I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus and old things are passed away and all things have become new, I, my desire is to be bold and to draw near with a heart of full assurance. Hallelujah. Glory to God. In light of this, the writer of Hebrews says, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. That word means confidently, without fear. Confidently, without fear. Well, without fear of what? Well, without fear of judgment. But here's another, without fear of rejection. Hallelujah. Without fear of my past being brought up. Do you see this? The word come in this verse is the same word for near in Hebrews 10. And he states, because we have this great high priest, let us come, let us approach, let us be near. Because we have this great high priest, let us draw near. Your nearness to God is totally up to you. I, I determine how near I am to God. Hallelujah. So we see then that one of the primary reasons for sending Jesus was so the Father could once again have this nearness to man. Hallelujah. The incarnation of Jesus was God coming near to man. 
man who had distanced themselves from God. That's why Paul wrote in the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 when he talked about being a new creature in Christ. He also talked about this. He said, to wit, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. God initiated the action to bring nearness back. Once the action is initiated and the way is open, he says, now I need you to draw near. The way is open. Heaven is open. There are three things that the Bible, two things that the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that the, book, that the, that the blood opened. It opened the grave and it opened heaven. The blood opened the grave and the blood opened heaven. The way is made. Hallelujah. Jesus distanced himself by becoming sin. Jesus placed himself in a position to be the object of the wrath of God, totally distanced from the Father, totally separated from the Father. Totally. Amen. Amen. When, when Jesus cried out on the cross, why have you forsaken me? That was a literal cry of agony and anguish for the first time in the existence of the Son of God. He's not with the Father. He's separate. Why? The cross was the doorway to judgment. The cross was the doorway to hell. The cross was the doorway to the place that Jesus had to go and suffer until the, the, the claims of justice were satisfied. Hallelujah. Somebody had to be totally separated from God so that you and I could be completely near to God. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus was not a victim. He was a substitute. That's why He didn't do what He did in anybody else's place but yours and mine. Hallelujah. Now why is that important? Because He suffered complete separation from the Father. So there could be nearness to you and I. Anything that was done in redemption has to be acted on and walked into by faith by us. Hallelujah. You've got to draw near by faith. Hallelujah. Matthew 11. Oh, thank you, Lord. And there's some things that Jesus said. And he uses this word. Matthew 11, verse 28. Notice the very first word in verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest to your souls. Why? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus is offering a, a rest. He's offering an easy yoke and a light burden. But he says, here's the prerequisite. You've got to come to me. You've got to come to me. You've got to, take, you've got to act on this. You know, some years ago, there began to be a lot of teaching concerning law and grace. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I understand uh, uh, what people are saying, but here, here's the issue. Here's the issue. It, it muddies the water because there's nothing I have to do to be redeemed except believe. But then the Scripture's very implicit. 
that after I'm redeemed, there are things I've got to do. There are works of righteousness that I have to walk in, that I have to accomplish. This is something that Jesus says I have to do. If you want this rest, if you want this light burden and easy yoke, you've got to draw near to me. Do you see that? This, this is so important because the way we receive it is to draw near to him. The benefits of redemption occur through nearness. And the action of nearness is initiated by me. It's initiated by us. I am coming. I want to be near. I want to receive this. The whole thing that you deal with in Jesus' day was there were people that would not come to him. Hallelujah. Notice John 7. John chapter 7 and verse 37. Very familiar verse of Scripture. Uh, We dealt with this some time ago on being skilled in the flow. But he says here, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, notice, let him come unto me and drink. If you're thirsty, I'm offering you living water. But you've got to come from where you're at and come get it. You've got to draw near. Hallelujah. Brother Hagin used to say this. He would say, these things that God's promised you aren't just going to fall off your, all on your head like ripe cherries off a tree. There's something I have to do. So this promise is for who? Any man. Notice what he says. If any man... Thirst. What does that mean? Anybody can draw near. Anybody can come and get that water. Anybody. Male, female, black, white, whatever race, whatever, whatever gender. There's only two, but you understand what I mean? Amen. Wherever I'm from, whatever my status may be. He said, if you're thirsty, and thirst represents a need of something, it represents a deficit of something in my life. In this context, the Holy Spirit, but anything that you're thirsty for, anything you need God to do, the answer is found in initiating the action and coming to Him. Drawing near to Him. See, don't, don't undervalue your great high priest By not going and getting everything that he bought for you. Amen. That there are people that undervalue the cross because they're just satisfied to be saved. Hallelujah. Well, being saved is just the first step. When, When you look at the Old Testament tabernacle, It was laid out in the form of a cross. And the very first step was the altar where sin was atoned. It was the ugliest, the dirtiest, the cheapest piece of furniture in the whole tabernacle. And it got the most work. Why? Because folk were sinning all the time. But that's where it started. 
as you progress, every piece of furniture became more expensive. It became more elaborate. Amen. Until finally when you got to the holiest of all, in that time, only one man could enter there and he could only enter once a year. It was so sacred. It was such a place of holiness and power. But notice where the sin was in the very beginning. There were other steps. Hallelujah. The next step was the, was the laver where the priests washed themselves and cleansed themselves with the water of the word and prepared themselves for service. The next step was the altar of incense. My place of prayer, my place of intercession. Amen. To the left of that was the, the, the candlestick. The, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The, oh, over on the right hand side was the table of shoe bread, the table of showing, the bread of life. Hallelujah. So I get saved, then I, 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 I progress where I'm being washed in the water of the Word of God. I go through the waters of baptism. I begin to get nearer to God. My prayers are being heard by God. I'm in that place of incense. I'm walking in the light of the Word. I'm feeding on the Word. And the next step is the veil. But the Bible says the veil was the body of Jesus Christ. And His body was broken. His body was torn. Just like the veil in the New Testament was ripped from the top to the bottom. The body of Jesus Christ was rent in two. It was ripped in two. There's nothing between you and God anymore. You have progressed from salvation to nearness. I used to be here. Now I'm here. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. And who's that promise for? Anybody. Anybody. Anybody can draw near. Amen. I was praying for some leaders one time some years ago. And, and I went down to the end of the altar and there was a, a man that was there that was a leader. And uh, I asked him, you know, what can I pray with you about and agree with you about? And he just, he just, he looked so pained and he said, I just feel so cold. I just feel so far away from God. But you're not. What was making him feel far away from God? Well, come to find out, he was dealing with things from his past. He was dealing with mistakes that he had made, things he was hiding from his wife, and, 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 and all these different things. So was God far from him, or was he far from God? He was far from God. Why? He wasn't drawing near. I'm here to tell you today, if you've made the worst mistake in your life yesterday, the best thing for you to do is lay aside those garments covered with shame and get in line and get near to God. Hallelujah. Why? That's where your answer's found. If you go read Pastor Michelle's book, The Guilt, The Shame, and The Blood, every time she would give her testimony, every time she would minister, man... And, and, and listen, I've seen the altar calls. We would go places. And people, she would give her testimony and half the place would come to the altar. Just God would use her powerfully. But every time she would give that testimony, she would talk about and finally quit talking about it because of the shame of the abortion she had had. And it would bring up shame. And the enemy held that over her head. I said the enemy held that over her head. Until one day she decided, i got to get rid of this. How did she get rid of this? She said, Father, I know you've forgiven me. I know that your blood has covered me. 
So I, when I talk about it, I'm going to talk about it freely. I'm going to talk about it without shame and without regret. Listen, there's nothing you've done that God don't know. There's nothing you're going to do that God doesn't know. And that's why we can say that the blood is there for sins past, sins present, and sins in the future. God knows what you did. He knows what you do. And He knows what you might do. And He's already prepared the way. He's already provided a way for you to be near to Him. He doesn't want anybody's sin or failures or wrongdoing to separate them from Him anymore. He wants you to come and receive that blood and say, God, I want to be near to you this morning. I want to be near to you. Oh, hallelujah. I love the Lord. Amen. John chapter 6 and verse 32. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. And, 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 and you know, you may not feel like you can draw near. You do it by faith. Faith in the blood of Jesus. God said you're cleansed. God said you're righteous. God said you're holy. God said you're a new creature. Remember what we said over the offering? What do we depend on? What God said. And this is what God said about us. Amen. John 6 verse 32. Then Jesus said to them, the, uh, the, the leaders that he was dealing with, I say unto you, Moses gave you not the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said, notice, I am the bread of life. He that, here it is, cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that you also have seen me and believe not. So notice, here he is, the bread of life, the living bread. And he says, I've got the bread, I am the bread, you just got to come to me. Hallelujah. Think about that. Over in, in the, we won't go there, in the book of Revelation, it says over and over again, the, the, the spirit and the bride say, come. You want to be part of this? Just come on. Just draw near. Hallelujah. That, that, that is what's so important about our new covenant. Hallelujah. He, he doesn't say straighten everything up, make everything right. And then come. He says, come the way you are. Come with a heart of full assurance that what? I'm going to forgive it. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to deliver you. But notice what Jesus said. If you're hungry, he said in John 7, if you're thirsty, come. Here he says, if you're hungry, come. But I got to come. I've got to do it. Jesus said the key to receiving the bread of life was drawing near. Many want to receive, but they don't want to draw near. Hallelujah. Notice something in Hebrews 6, or Hebrews 5, excuse me. The, the, the key here is that you don't regress. This, this is so important. Because God can reveal something to you, and if you don't walk in it, you'll regress from it. Yeah. 
you'll regress from it. In uh, Hebrews 5, verse 12, notice this. For when the time that you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. Notice this. And are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. You have become that. The Woos Bible says, and have become and still are such as need milk, and have need of milk and not of solid food. The revelation that I don't walk in will leak. And I will regress. I want to keep my nearness. Whatever God has revealed to you and showed you, you've got to keep walking in it. Paul told Timothy, you've got to stir yourself up in this. Amen. They're, 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 Pastor Michelle and I were talking about this over breakfast yesterday. Uh, and I'm not going to get into it, but there uh, was a very well-known man. He passed away here some uh, months, a few months ago this year. And, uh, you know, there were some allegations that were going around about him. And, uh, of course, him and his ministry vehemently denied it. Uh, you know, but now, you know, he's passed away and, and his ministry kept getting these allegations. And, and so... They, they uh, hired a firm to do an investigation. Well, come to find out, not only was those things true, uh, it's worse than they thought. Now, people will look at a person like that and say, yeah, but they had such knowledge. They had such revelation. How could they, how could they do that? They quit drawing near. They quit drawing near. They quit walking. Listen, anything that God reveals to you, it can become something that you just walk in and it's kind of like you're just on an assembly line. You just, you don't even have to pay attention anymore. It's just time to make the donuts. Right? If you talk to some people that, and, and, and you say, well, you got to live by faith. Yeah, yeah, got to live by faith. Just live by faith. That's right. It says that in the Bible. Just live by faith. But here's, here's the point. If I'm consistently walking in that and consistently stirring myself up, and whatever it may be, uh, the point is, I won't regress. I won't regress. Hallelujah. There's a minister one time, powerful word of faith minister, powerful word of faith. I mean, make the hair stand up on the back of your neck when you preach, when he preached, just powerful. Amen. And he started regressing. Until the point that he started a new age ministry, teaching that Paul was a Gnostic. And that Paul taught that Jesus was one of many gods. Well, it's no, it's no, it's no surprise then that he lost his marriage and, and lost his, everything that God had given him. Here, here's what I'm trying to say to you. When you quit drawing near, you'll regress. And notice, both those men that I talked talk, talk to you about, they became such as needed milk. They became that way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You mark my words. There are churches that during this year of 2020, the past year, they regressed. And they will never come back. They will never come back. Somebody else will own their building. And not just churches. 
There are churches that close their doors during this pandemic and they will never recover. And there'll be some other business in that building that doesn't glorify God, that doesn't bring honor to God, and it's because they regressed. It's because they didn't draw near. Amen. Ever what you deal with, your jobs keep drawing near. Keep drawing near. Keep, keep, keep your head down and keep drawing near to the things of God. Amen. Notice Luke 18. Pride hinders drawing near. Pride hinders drawing near. And uh, understand, when I say this, people will say, well, we're told to enter boldly. Right, confidently, without fear, not arrogantly. Not with the mindset of who I am. Right? Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. All of us in here, we are what we are. We are where we are because of God. God did that. Amen. Wherever God brought you from, God did it. God did. I didn't do it. If God healed your body, God healed your body. If God blessed you, God blessed you. Amen. Remember what the Bible says? He says, when you enter into the land God brought you in, he said, don't be tempted to say the might of my hand and the works of my hand got me all this blessing. He said, you shall remember the Lord your God because it's he that gives you the power to get wealth. It's all him. <laughs> Luke chapter 18, verse 10. Two men went up in the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I am not as other men are. Hmm. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers. And then look what the man says. Or even as this publican. He's praying within earshot of this man. And he says, Lord, I'm not like him. Thank God. Now, you can readily see there's a lot of sins he left out. But anyway, I fast twice in the week. I give tithe of all I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote his upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this is Jesus I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself will be abased, and he that humbleth himself will be exalted. Amen. Amen. Notice this. The Pharisee was quick to point out how much better he was than everybody else. I've told people for years, I've heard people say it. They say, well, I, I'd never do that. And I said, well, yeah, you'd never do that, but you did this. Be, be cautious with that. Remember, we're drawing near. When you see somebody do something, you may not have, ever, would ne- you may not have done that or may not ever would do that, but there's something you did do. <laughs> All right, now that's where you got to talk to your neighbor. Say, neighbor. I don't know what you did do, but you did something. 
Oh, some of y'all aren't talking. Now, now that's disobedience. That's rebellion. All right, so we got to say it again. Tell your neighbor, say, I don't know what you did do, but I know you did something. Now, whatever it was, it's forgiven. Amen. But if we're going to be a church of the harvest and a church for babies, we got to understand that people are going to come uh, uh, not wanting people to know what they did. Well, here's the bottom line. I don't know what you did and you don't know what I've done, but God knows what we all did and He forgave us anyway and said, I want you to come near to me. That's, that's the common ground that we're at. Is at some point in every one of our lives, we were all sinners. We were all saved by grace. Amen. We all met the same man, Jesus. We all received the same blood in our hearts. And we're all redeemed by the power of God. And so that's what makes it even. Your sin might have been greater or lesser or lesser or greater. But the issue is it was all forgiven by the blood of Jesus. The publican was quick to point out. Well, we didn't finish the Pharisee. How much better he was than everybody else. All that he did. Notice, I, uh, he said, uh, I give tithe of all that I possess. I fast twice in the week. All of those things are good things. But in themselves, they won't get you near. Then he said, of all that I possess. The publican was quick to point out how little he was. And how great God was. One drew near and one fell short. The Pharisee exalted himself. And what happened? He went further from the Father. The publican debased himself and came closer to the Father. Now, especially in Word of Faith circles, sometimes when we talk about that and we talk about humility and we talk about things, it, it, it kind of goes contrary in some people's mind because, you know, we're, we're champions, we're conquerors, we're more than, you know, we can do all things through Christ. And that's true, but the key to that is humility. The key to that is to, to remember, I can do all things <clears throat> through Christ. I'm more than a conqueror <clears throat> through Him that loved me. Is that right? That's the key. One drew near and one fell short. The publican exalted God and came near. The Woost Bible says, I'm saying to you, this man went down to his home having been justified and declared righteous rather than that one. For everyone who exalts himself shall be brought down to the place where he recognizes his moral littleness and guilt. But he who esteems himself small Inasmuch as he is so, and thinks truly and therefore humbly of himself, will be raised to a place of honor. So one was prideful, and one was humble. Amen. Humility gets the grace. Humility draws near. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. Humility gets the grace. See, that's what I need. I need the grace of God. And humility is what gets it. Humility is what gets it. Look at 1 Peter 5. Thank you, Jesus. 
1 Peter 5. Uh, the King James says, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. All of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Well, why? For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. It's important because resist means to keep at arm's length. In other words, pride does not get me near. Hallelujah. He says God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. One translation says God opposes himself to those who set themselves above others, but he gives grace to those who are lowly. The most outstanding characteristic of Jesus was not power. It was humility. He said, come and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. Right? The book of Philippians says that the, the first thing Jesus did was set aside his God-likeness, his God-attributes, and became a servant. Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you have to be a servant of all. So at some point, I've got to examine my ratio of being served and serving, and if my being served ratio is higher than my serving ratio, I need to up it. Because Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you're the servant of all. Hallelujah. And, and this is what, notice what Peter's saying. He says, he says, likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Why would he say that? It takes humility. Amen. You know, we all make jokes about how, you know, when we were all whatever age we were, we didn't think our parents were very smart or, or whatever. Well, what was that? Pride. Pride. Here you are, don't know anything from anything. Never paid a bill. Never kept a job for more than a year, if that. And yet you know. Y'all with me? That's pride. Is, is that right? I, I remember, when, and I just had to laugh, and, and, and please don't misunderstand me when I'm saying this. I mean, I love people, but I had to laugh. We were talking about uh, being married one time, and, and there were several of us there, and, and you know, been married, to, you know, 20 plus years or, or whatever, and some longer than that. And there, and there was somebody over there, they hadn't been married, but, you know, maybe a year or two. And they're going to they're comment. And you just want to say, uh, what do you know? You can barely remember her name. Now, here's what I mean. Because, because the Bible says that pride will make you make a comment about things you have no knowledge of. You hear what I'm saying? Hallelujah. So he says here, you younger submit to the elder. Admit that they know more than you. And don't be proud. Don't be arrogant. Humble yourself. 
Amen. I told a person one time, uh, 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 every time I, we, we were in a meeting, and every time I would say something or start to say something, they had a comment, and, and they would drone on and on and on. And finally I looked at them, and I said it nicely, but finally I looked at them and I said, if you would be quiet, you might learn something. But, but, but now, now what does this have to do with drawing near? Even in the natural, if you're always around somebody that knows and they don't, right? I know, I know, yeah, I know. Well, eventually you're going to quit imparting wisdom and they're not going to be near to you. You follow me? I always wanted to be around people that knew more than me. Amen. And consequently, I was around a lot of older people. My mindset always was this. If you're not doing it any better than me, why should I listen to you? I want to look at somebody that's done it and done it well and submit to them and put down my pride ever what I may think. Listen, there's only one person that's ever done it perfect and it was Jesus Christ. And when I am willing to submit myself to Him and say, I don't know everything, but I know that you do, and submit and draw near, everything changes. Amen. 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 To feel like you cannot approach God with something is pride. As if what you did was so bad that it will keep you separated from God. The only sin that separates people from God is unconfessed, unrepented sin. That's it. There's no, sin, there's no other sin that keeps people away from God. Hallelujah. So he says, humble yourself. Now notice that. Verse 6. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. What will happen? He will exalt you. When? In due time. When you're ready. When it's the appropriate season. It's arrogance to think that every season is your season. We're all growing. We're all maturing. There are things that you're moving into this morning that God wants to bring you into and it's just gonna, it just requires a little more submission and a little more drawing near and you'll be exalted in that. Hallelujah. The Woos Bible says, permit yourselves to be humbled under the mighty hand of God. Permit it. I've had people say about other people, well, the Lord's humbling him. The Lord's not humbling anybody. He says, here you humble yourself. You permit this. So this exaltation is directly tied to drawing near. And putting myself under God's hand in humility. Hallelujah. Now that's a volitional act on my part. That's a volitional act on my part. I choose to humble myself and place myself under God's hand. I choose to do that. You choose to take the steps that you take. Humility is not thinking less of ourselves. Humility is actually thinking correctly about ourselves. 
That's why the Bible says, don't let any man among you, Romans chapter 12, think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but think soberly, think even-minded, because God's dealt to every man the measure of faith. In other words, whatever I've done by faith, you can do by faith. The fact that I did it by faith doesn't make me more than you. You have the same measure. You can adjust it. You can grow it. You can exercise it. It can become greater in your life. You can do whatever you need to do by faith. Don't ever sit and think, well, you, you know, that, that, that. No, he says think soberly because we want to draw near. When we think correctly about ourselves and what was accomplished through redemption, we'll draw near. Because I'm thinking correctly about me. Now, let, let's look at Hebrews 4 one more time. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 4. And, and we read these before, but verse 14. He says, Seeing then we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, weaknesses, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly. The Young's Little says, We may come near then with freedom to the throne of grace that we may receive kindness and find grace for seasonable help. I like this because this is true humility. To come boldly. To come with freedom. I've got to be humble. Amen. Knowing who the one is that can extend the grace and the help. And knowing the one who needs the grace and the help. I need the grace. I need the help. You're the one that can give the grace. And the help. Hallelujah. There are things in our lives that will not just fix themselves. They have to be fixed by drawing near. The Bible says in His presence there's fullness of joy. When you get in the presence of God, there's healing that begins to take place. There's things that can be altered. There's changes that can be made. When I enter into this place of nearness with God. And again, it began at salvation. It, be, it began when I was born again. But ladies and gentlemen, being born again gives you entrance into heaven, but that, that, that's the foundation. The Bible says that God wants you to reign in life as a king through Christ Jesus. The Bible says that God wants you to live on this earth as a new creature in Christ, uh, uh, more than a conqueror, able to do all things through Christ that strengthens you. So salvation was just the beginning. It was the box that came to you that contained everything in your redemption. Everything. And there are people watching online, maybe even people here today. There are things that the enemy's trying to convince you that you're never going to be freed from. But you were already made free from those. You've just not walked in it yet. Once you figure out how free you really are, your days of defeat is over. But I have to figure out how free I am. And the writer of Hebrews says, notice, he says, let us therefore come boldly. 
Hallelujah. Now this is important because the writer of Hebrews is saying in light of the fact that we have a great high priest, the only option we have is to draw near. That's it. And it's almost an exclamation. Because we have this great high priest, let us draw near. Hallelujah. What is waiting in that place of nearness? What's ready for me in that place of nearness? It it could be the victory in something that you're believing God for. It could be a reconciliation in your own spirit. A peace that you've been looking for. But it's found in that nearness. Church doesn't get you near to God. That's, that's, why, that's why Jesus told the Pharisees when He was dealing with them in John 6, we read that. He said, you have seen me and you still don't believe. Hallelujah. Church, for a lot of people, is just something they do. It's, 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 it's not what it is to you. It's not life. It's not sustenance. It's not victory. It's just someplace we go. And that's why if, if they're black, they go to a black church because we just need to go to church. If they're Hispanic, they go to a Hispanic church because we just need to go to church. If they're white, they go to a white church. They, de- they don't think about the church being the pillar and the ground of the truth. They don't think about it being a cog in their victory wheel. Amen. And so consequently, they just kind of come and, and it's just kind of, let me, let me be here until it's over and then I can go get on with my life. And I can mark that off my to-do list this week. When you're drawing near to God, everything you do in the context of a godly thing is something that means something to you in your innermost being because this is an opportunity for me to be near to God. Brothers, praying, studying, Whatever it may be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so he's saying, in light of the fact that we have this great high priest, and I'll, I'll try to start wrapping this up with this. He's saying, in light of this, don't undervalue this. Look at what you have access to. And don't stand back and not draw near. Don't stand back and not come get what you need. Amen. I, uh, one of our children one time was uh, not doing what they should have been doing. And you know, sometimes kids do that. Don't say amen too loudly. And uh, they were uh, doing things with their money they shouldn't have been doing. And they called one day and wanted some money. I said, uh, no, no, not going to do it. Yeah, but Dad, I said, no, no, wait a minute. I said, uh, I'm not going to take my holy money that's sanctified by the tithe and help you go do what you want to go do. Amen. I said, well, Dad, you got plenty of money. I said, you're right, I do, I have plenty. And you could have access to it. 
but not doing that. See, the access is there. The, the, the abundance is there. All you got to do is draw near. You just got to draw near. And that's how many are watching, many, some here today. It's just this drawing near. And it's not just a physical act. It's this humbling and saying, there's things that I need in my life that I need you to help me with. And I want to draw near and receive that. Would you bow your heads with me today?